Welcome to a voyage of discovery and awareness of the richness, the diversity, and the often surprising nature of living with the land. We welcome you to the living seas. We welcome you to Sea Base Alpha. Say, Brad Rabbit, how about I take you to my laughing place? <laughs> Except I don't expect you be doing much laughing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're returning to Earth immediately. Be prepared for another space jump. Well, I can see my old buddy Mike Feedback, the technician up there in the control booth, has given me the signal to take five. Now don't go away, because we have some very special entertainment to follow. W Radio. You're in Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, author of the Walt Disney World trivia books and audio tours of Walt Disney World, and this is show number 284 for the week of July 22nd, 2012. As we celebrate Christmas in July on the WDW Radio blog this month, on this week's show, we're going to go live into the parks and seek out a little bit of Christmas now. We're going to stop into It's a Wonderful Shop over at Disney's Hollywood Studios for a DSI Disney scene investigation with Jim Corcus. We'll look at some of the details inside and out and then share stories of Walt Disney and Christmas and how one Christmas changed his life and ours forever. Think you know what it may be? I'll then have the answer and winner for last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week and pose a new question for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Be sure and stay for the announcements, including information about upcoming WDW Radio events, as well as some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. So this month on the WDW Radio blog, we are celebrating Christmas in July. And in the past on the show, we've explored some of the locations around Walt Disney World where you can celebrate Christmas all year long, from the DSI of Yield Christmas Shop in Liberty Square to the Carousel of Progress, and even talking about some things for Christmas that we missed uh, that are no longer here, like the Lights of Winter or the Holiday Show at the Contemporary. But today... We're in another location where it is Christmas all year long, even when it is 106 degrees outside with 97% humidity. And we are here at Disney's Hollywood Studios with the one and only Mr. Jim Corcus, the author of The Vault of Walt. Uh, and Jim, welcome back to the show and Merry Christmas in July. Whoa, ho, ho. <laughs> and Lou, have you been a good little podcaster this year? <laughs> Define good. It's all relative terms. <laughs> You're always good, and 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 it's been much too long since uh, uh, we've been able to uh, get together. I know you've been doing some things. I, I've been doing some things. I just came back uh, 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 over the July Fourth weekend. I was in uh, Dayton, Ohio, meeting some wonderful people there at uh, the Disneyana Fan Club uh, convention uh, uh, that they had up there. But yes, uh, when the uh, uh, plane hit the tarmac it was 102 <laughs> degrees but with the heat index it felt like 110 and and i think uh, i'm reliving that experience today with you lou that's right there's still no place i would rather be than walt disney world when it's this hot because it's just as hot in jersey as it is in <laughs> florida but look I, you know it's beginning to feel a little bit like christmas because we're sitting here mm -hmm. we're in the shade uh we're sort of in the shadows of the pizza planet uh restaurant and there's snow on the ground, and there's a snowman next door because we are here outside the It's a Wonderful Shop store. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's one of these places, like some of the others that I mentioned, where it is Christmas all year long. People say, well, why are they selling holiday ornaments and it's the middle of August? Because, you know, shops like Yield Christmas Shop and the Days of Christmas Shop in downtown Disney are very similar to this. There's been other Christmas stores in the Magic Kingdom as well, too. In fact, we're, we're out in front of a, a little scraggly uh, Christmas uh, 
a pine tree, a real pine tree, although it looks a little bit like the Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's doing well, despite, you know, considering the, uh, the weather. And, and so, uh, yes, we're in that section right across from um, the uh, Muppet store. And, of, of course, this area of the park is supposed to be uh, reminiscent of a uh, shooting uh, studio, the back lot of a, of a Hollywood studio. And so, of course, this little uh, uh, cul-de-sac area here is... Um, uh, meant uh, for exterior shooting. So, of course, one of the uh, buildings is dressed up like like Christmas, even though outside there's the big sign that says no parking. We're, we're parking here uh, anyway uh, uh, to do this. And so, Jim, if we take a closer look at the Parkside Antique Facade, again, it's a photo opportunity for so many people because they do come by the snowman that's here all year round and the sled that's outside and take a picture. And I think so few people actually do take the time to look up and look around and even take notice that this is meant to be an antique store. Uh, but like so many of the buildings, even on Main Street where there's a shop downstairs, this facade is meant to show that there are people living upstairs as well, too. And if you look in the windows, you'll see wrapped Christmas presents and an old-style Christmas tree and Christmas lights. And the Christmas trees uh, decorated, decorated with uh, uh, sort of antique uh, style uh, uh, ornaments. And, uh, again, you know, you and I had been talking uh, a little earlier. The, the building is uh, numbered 621, and, and it's very prominent. It's on the outside of both doors. I have no clue uh, what that ref- uh, refers to. I'm, I'm sure that it, it's not just random. It, again, an Imagineer could have put in a, uh, a birth date or an anniversary or the ages of his three kids or whatever, because, of course, the uh, building next to it is, is labeled 70. So uh, maybe one of your listeners is smarter than we are, and they'll, uh, they'll, co- they'll come up with that. But I'm sure June 21st or June 1921, somebody's yelling at their phone or their car right now going, my God, man, how do you not know what June 21st was? But, you know, this, yeah. and we've talked about this in the past, too, this area originally wasn't supposed to look like this, because as you look towards Mama Melrose's mm-hmm. and what this area was going to be, I think many of us lament the loss of Gonzo's Pandemonium Pizza Parlor. Right, which, which would have been uh, just towards uh, uh, the left of it, uh, right there. That would have been, uh, oh, that's Gonzo's, that would have been the Swedish chef's cooking school, right there where uh, Pizza Planet is. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, you'd also have uh, uh, Lou Zealand and his, his uh, boomerang uh, uh, fish. So obviously this was a uh, last-minute uh, addition to, to again, uh, be the type of facade that you would use uh, for filming. And uh, not only just a facade, but the attention to detail continues on the inside, where you see uh, the rigging uh, up above, where it comes with the lighting. Uh, you have uh, uh, Fresnels and, and, and Lico's and uh, uh, things that, that that you would use, you know, uh, in uh, in filming or, or on a stage. Right, because if you walk down the streets of America, um, you know, yeah. with towards um, lights, motors, actions, or, or facing the um, uh, sort of the, the forced perspective, of, you know, all those facades of those shops there, and I love the references to things like the House of Magic mm-hmm. and the Traveling, are just that. Well, here is one of those facades, and again, as you walk inside, like you said, you look up, you see there is no ceiling, as if it was truly a movie set, and it's decorated for a shot inside, but when you come in here, it is well-themed, not just in that it's a Christmas store, but it makes me think of Ye old Antique Shop that used to be in uh, Liberty Square, because it look it's decorated as if it's, though, a real antique store, and if you look not just at eye level, but up above on the shelves on the walls, you see a lot of authentic, uh, real antiques. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and, uh, you know, so the Imagineers went out of their way to to locate uh, some of those items to bring back uh, uh, memories. Uh, didn't your mom, wasn't your mom involved with some type of a, uh, an antique shop or something? My entrepreneurial spirit definitely comes from my parents. That's a whole separate story altogether. But yeah, we owned an antique business. So I'm actually familiar with a lot of what we see here and, and sort of that, uh, that colored glass up on the shelves that are in the windows that when that sun shines through, really changes the colors inside and the colors on the floor. But even sort of these, I mean, notice that the uh, the tables and mm-hmm. the armoires that are used are all right. different. You know, it's not mm-hmm. sort of a, a, um, 
a very generic type of display system. And and what is that colored glass <laughs> called? <laughs> it's we're going to remember as soon as we're done recording. Um, I, I guess you're not a, as much of an antique as 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 we think. No, I, my antiques are like the Mego Spider-Man figures from the '80s and my Star Wars action figures. Those are my antiques. Listen, I I watch uh, Pawn Stars, and I'm sure that type of glass has been brought in, and I, I've seen it, and I've heard what the name is, but you know you can only remember so it's many sort of things. A Tiffany style, but there is a name for. And again, I'll, I'll have to edit this in when we figure out what it is. But yeah, but looking up on the walls, <laughs> yeah. and it's all very, it, it's antique to the period that is represented, which is, I think, sort of that pre-1940s when It's a Wonderful Life came out. Yes, I, I think you're uh, absolutely uh, uh, right on that. And, and, and it gives such a, a, a homey feel uh, as well. You know, but my eyes, again, keep going to the... Uh, Christmas merchandise, and one of the things that I've learned at Disney is that if I see something, especially Christmas-oriented, I better pick it up because uh, they change these things uh, uh, frequently. Uh, at at my house, uh, have a huge uh, Christmas tree, and and of course I have a Disney ornament uh, for each year mm. on there. And there's so many different Disney uh, ornaments, and and again, a whole another set you can get from uh, Hallmark and Hallmark. Uh, uh, stores that you know you can't keep uh, keep up with with uh, all of them, but but what a wonderful uh, uh, physical memory of uh, you know a happy uh, holiday uh, season. But but yes, the attention to to detail in here I, again, I think most people are in a rush. They they go through. Um, they, they might see some of the obvious Christmas decorations, a, a, a sled, ice skates. Um, Outside, uh, you know the the tinsel and and the garlands, but but you're right. The, this actually is not specifically a Christmas shop, but it is Parkside uh, Antiques, and and so in keeping with that theme, in keeping with that storyline, uh, we have all of those uh, an- antiques, and it uh, is even in terms of uh, how some of the items, as you mentioned. Uh, are displayed, and so I, I take a look at that, and I, I even take a look at some of the crazy artwork up on on the wall. And I have to remember that in the 1930s, uh, that style and and Art Deco and all of that were were very prominent. So, so yeah, filming could be done today. You could bring in the Disney Channel stars and have them do their new Disney movie right in, right in here as as they go back in time. Well, I think uh, this is one of the things we always tell people to do is to look up and look around. And there's some mm-hmm. great details on the wall. You know, see if you can find the picture of Blackstone the Musician and the Cunard Line uh, uh, steamership as well, too, whether it's the antique signs and the different types of uh, artwork that's on there. So even something as simple as, and this was the way, you know, most antique stores are, the, um, the fixtures all the lighting fixtures aren't the same. They're all unique because chances are those fixtures would be up for sale. Very good. Very, yes, you're talking about in, in particular the, some of the chandeliers that are lit, but also some along the uh, uh, sides of the doors. And, and again, you know, this is when we talk about the Disney difference, that, that's what that is, is that attention to detail. It, it's not generic. It's not out of the box. It's not, okay, well, we're going to go and, and, and get this, you know, uh, we're going to personalize this, uh, even even in terms of uh, how everything is separated. So you have a multitude of things, but it, it really doesn't seem cluttered. It, it, it seems, you know, just like a shop or, or a house from uh, uh, around that time period, as, as you said, before, uh, before World War II, or else we would have uh, uh, seen some of those uh, related items in here. And so as we step back out and, and we're talking about Christmas in July as a whole, this is one of those remaining Christmas shops that's, that's here all year round. But, you know, when we think about Christmas in July, so I want to sort of, and I alluded to this earlier, there are plenty of places where you can still find Christmas, whether it's in the stores, whether it's in Carousel of Progress, uh, a few other places around property. But there's some Christmas things, not that were present in July, but came around the holidays that we may miss and a couple of little special things that make Disney different. And I, and I mentioned things like uh, the Jolly Holidays Christmas show, the Country Bears Christmas special. Yes. Are, there, are there one of those things that you wish you could bring back? Because I know a lot of people, especially um, more you know, younger people who are so very familiar with the lights of winter, wish they would come back. So 
Jim Corcus, if you were Imagineer for a day, what would be the one thing you would bring back from what the ghost of Disney Christmas past that you would bring back? Oh, my gosh, there's so many things uh, to choose from, but I would probably um, uh, be very, very selfish. And um, when I first uh, uh, came out here in uh, 95, 96, uh, my brother uh, Michael was um, in uh, uh, working in entertainment here at uh, what was Disney MGM Studios, but he was also picking up uh, extra cash in the evenings at uh, Port Orleans, where he would be dressed up as a, a, a jester. Uh, they gave out um, uh, free uh, uh, cider, hot, hot cider, and roasted chestnuts. Mm. And uh, Mike did uh, uh, some performing, some uh, juggling and all that. And then he would take everybody who was gathered and go into this little uh, grass park area that was uh, by the uh, pool, by uh, Scales the Dragon. And uh, he would tell a French Christmas story about a a single candle that, uh, you know, uh, brought home... um, uh, a, a father to the family, and then they would all sing uh, Christmas carols. And, and again, one of the reasons that was one of my uh, favorite uh, Christmas elements that no longer exist is um, it, it was just for a small group of, of Disney guests. It was intimate, it was uh, personal, it, it was moving, and um, you know, completely non-commercial. And uh, when was the last time you heard Disney giving away stuff? <laughs> um, they also had cookies, too, they gave away. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just so touching. It made it... Uh, I, I took my parents to go see uh, uh, my brother perform. And, uh, you know, they fell in love with us, too. So uh, Christmas, of course, is, is for families. But, but all those other things that you, you mentioned, the Jolly Holiday Show, a, a tremendous uh, uh, amount of fun. And, and I talk to people today, and, and they uh, uh, still, you know, miss that uh, completely. I miss the uh, uh, Country Bears doing the Country Christmas. And... Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Things are, are constantly changing and evolving. And um, I, I love the lights of winter and being, you know, just overwhelmed, surrounded by, by all of those lights. But Disney is always evolving, always changing. And who knows, maybe this coming Christmas, they'll have that, that thing that'll just take my breath away. So that's the question that I want to leave to the listeners is what is their favorite Christmas element Christmas memory, Christmas reference in the parks. It could be a, a personal memory to you of being with your family on Christmas or your child's first Christmas at Walt Disney World. It could be the old Christmas shop. It could be the Country Bear Christmas or that Christmas scene in, in the Carousel of Progress. Visit the site over at wdwradio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Leave your comments there as well. Be very curious to hear uh, how you enjoy, how you remember, how you celebrate Christmas in Walt Disney World all year long. But uh, Christmas and Disney have always seemed to be uh, uh, connected, you know, uh, uh, because a lot of the same things. When you think of Christmas, you think of kids, you think of of happiness, Um, you know, a very, very strong uh, uh, connection there. And and again, as a kid growing up out in uh, uh, California, I I loved going uh, to Disneyland and, and I could pick up. Christmas ornaments because I could only go to Disneyland maybe once or twice a, a, a year and so you know wanted to get it then you know I might not be able to come out at uh, uh, Christmas and so that's been expanded even more out here in uh, in uh, Florida and of course uh, it's a wonderful shop is a reference to uh, what uh, perennial Christmas uh, favorite film I was going to say a Christmas story but we know it's a wonderful <laughs> life the 1946 Frank Frank Capra mm-hmm. uh, you know true classic film and, and again, Frank Capra, uh, a big uh, Walt Disney uh, uh, fan. In fact, uh, according to his autobiography, he is the one who uh, uh, created the design of that big uh, Oscar and the seven little Oscars to give Walt for uh, uh, Snow White and uh, the Seven Dwarfs. But uh, we're here to, to talk a, a little bit uh, about uh, Christmas. And uh, yes, with this... Uh, um, uh, fake snow and fake snowman uh, out here 
And, and, and again, you know, uh, today it's more likely that if you had a, uh, uh, a, a snow globe with a snowman uh, in it, uh, the Florida representation would be a puddle of water with a uh, carrot and two pieces of coal floating in it. That's the Florida snowman, Christmas snowman. But uh, uh, I'm glad we had a, a, a chance to get to get. I'm glad we're in the shade, although it, it isn't helping uh, too much, because uh, uh, to help uh, finish up Christmas in July, I have a terrific. Um, Disney Christmas story. In fact, it's a, a Christmas story about uh, uh, Walt and uh, and Christmas. It, the one gift that literally transformed his life to give us the uh, Walt Disney that we know and love today. And uh, maybe it'll get uh, uh, people uh, in a little cooler holiday mood because I know it's not just Florida that's suffering from the heat, but. Uh, Maybe it'll also get us uh, thinking a, a little bit more about uh, uh, the power of gifts. And, and, and Lou, certainly one of the most valuable gifts uh, I find in my life is, is your friendship. So I'm, I'm glad we're, we're back here uh, again, uh, again today. Uh, do you have a favorite Christmas memory? So uh, my favorite Christmas memories, obviously, are, you know, the, look, the reason why I love Walt Disney World is not because of the attractions, possibly because of the food, but primarily because of the memories I have of coming here with my family, sometimes around Christmas time. And we talk about Walt Disney World being such a transformative experience, especially when you come during that time, because when the holiday decorations are out, when that Christmas music is playing, when it's snowing on Main Street, USA, it is a completely different experience than if you come any time of year. And sharing some of those holiday memories down here with my family uh, are some of the things that have made me grow to love this place and make this place so special for me. So uh, in a more very general sense, it's sort of being here with my family at Christmas. I, I think a lot of uh, the listeners to this podcast probably uh, echo that uh, as well. That uh, Because, again, there's nothing like celebrating uh, uh, Christmas uh, in a in a Disney theme park. You know, Disney theme parks are are magical to begin with, but that little extra touch of Christmas magic, I don't know, just pushes it over, brings back all those uh, uh, fond memories of childhood and all those uh, uh, Christmases the way uh, we would like them to be. But you know, um, as fortunate as we were and are, uh, Walt Disney growing up. Didn't his Christmases were uh, a little bit more uh, austere? You know, uh, uh, he had to go out uh, uh, into the woods and 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 get uh, berries and uh, things like that to decorate the Christmas tree. His his mom would have uh, little pieces of tin foil that uh, she had saved throughout the year so they could cut out little stars and and put those on. And and of course the Disney family was not well off, so. Uh, Walt would get uh, practical gifts like uh, uh, clothes, uh, underwear. You know, what's what's Christmas getting underwear? You know that uh, uh, just doesn't work for me there. But um, uh, and Walt, of course, his uh, birthday was December fifth, and so I don't know if any of the listeners out there have uh, birthdays in December, and if their parents ever tried to do the same thing that Walt's parents did. Well, since your birthday is so close to Christmas, we'll just celebrate both on, on Christmas. My wife is the 14th, so she told me when I first met her how many years she got robbed for, and I've been trying to make it up to, to compensate for it ever since. Oh, and, and I'm sure you have. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have. I got you some socks. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's better than a vacuum cleaner. or. Uh, uh, I've gotten my wife a vacuum cleaner in the past, so move along. <laughs> Does that make me a bad <laughs> Well, we'll leave that up to the, the readers who uh, uh, respond. Jim, it had a HEPA filter. Come on. <laughs> it wasn't one of those Dyson ones with the uh, rollerball? Okay. So anyway, the, the, the point of this is is uh, we want to celebrate Christmas in July because, again, we should uh, keep the spirit of Christmas in our hearts uh, year-round. Now, um, when uh, Walt's family moved uh, from Marceline, Missouri to uh, Kansas City, uh, Missouri, uh, his dad um, bought a uh, newspaper route. Ba- basically what that meant was that he had the right to distribute uh, the Kansas City Star and, you know, those type of uh, newspapers, you know, to uh, 
uh, subscribers. And uh, I, I don't know if any of the listeners are old enough to to remember when newspapers were so popular that there were both a morning edition and an evening edition. Jim, some listeners don't even know what a newspaper is. Remember, (laughs) (laughs) shame on you. Shame on all of you. Um, And uh, they used to be very thick as well, too. (laughs) Thick and heavy. Um, With many, many sections. Uh, So anyway, uh, Walt... um, Worked for his dad, uh, delivering newspapers uh, for roughly about uh, uh, six years. And in that time, he only missed about uh, uh, three or four weeks every day. And and that was even on Saturdays and Sundays, Sundays especially, because you had the big, thicker, you know, uh, Sunday uh, edition. And uh, uh, Elias, Walt's father, hired a bunch of other uh, newspaper delivery boys as well and paid them two fifty a week. He paid Walt nothing. He said, uh, I put a roof over your head. I give you clothes, all of that. that that's. And so Walt, in order to uh, make some extra spending money, sometimes he would uh, uh, order from the delivery truck uh, some extra papers without letting his dad know. So he would sell those off to get that. Uh, he would uh, sometimes uh, do deliveries for a local uh, uh, drugstore. Um at lunch, uh, when when at the school he was at, uh, when he broke for uh, uh, lunch, instead of going out and having lunch with the kids, he would run across the street uh, to sweep out uh, one of the local shops in exchange for getting a, a hot lunch. Um, now, Walt's day started at uh, between 3, 3.30 in the morning. That's when he would get up in the morning because then you had to go meet the delivery truck and get the papers and, uh, you know, start off and deliver them before people went off uh, to work and before Walt uh, went off uh, to school. And Walt said sometimes he'd be so tired he'd get up, you know, uh, 3, 3.30 in the morning and be sitting on the edge of his bed trying to tie his shoes, and he'd just drop off to sleep until his dad yelled, Walter! And he would just spring, you know, back, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And he'd go out, and uh, it, it was a... a, a Part of the section where he made deliveries was uh, uh, a very uh, uh, rough section. Um, there were uh, uh, groups of kids who were, uh, we would consider them uh, gangs today. Uh, they would uh, pack a rock in a snowball and toss it at Walt, you know, if they, they, they saw him out there. And then there was other sections that were very, very well off, and... Um, these kids would leave uh, toys in, in the front yard, uh, whatever, and uh, Walt, of course, didn't have any toys uh, because, again, the family just couldn't afford that. Sometimes his older brother, Roy, uh, would put aside you know, a, a little extra money and, and get maybe a top or a, a couple of marbles for Walt and his younger sister, uh, uh, Ruth, but, but that was about it, and so... These wealthy kids would leave these magnificent toys out on, uh, in, in the uh, uh, front yard or, or on the porch. And so sometimes Walt would just uh, uh, take off the sack of uh, uh, papers and go over and play with the toys. He'd pick them up, uh, little wind-up trains, things like that. And he said he was always very careful to put it back exactly the way he found it so that you know they, they wouldn't suspect that somebody had come and played with the toys. Uh, one time he found a... Uh, a uh, half-eaten box of uh, uh, chocolate. I don't know if you've ever uh, done this where you can't figure out what's in the chocolate, so you take a bite and then you go, I don't want that. And so Walt finished off a couple of the chocolate, chocolates that people had taken a bite of and decided, this is coconut, I don't want that. And then he'd have to put on the bag and then rush uh, to um, you know, uh, finish making the deliveries. And... Um, uh, his dad always insisted that you know you had to deliver the paper right to the door. You know you couldn't throw it from a bicycle or anything. And uh, when it was cold and wintry, like it is today, uh, outside it's a wonderful shop. Uh, he would not put it on the porch where it would be damaged by weather, but he'd put it in the storm door. But then he'd get home, and these people would look out the window and not see it on the porch, and they'd phone his dad, and they'd say, your son didn't deliver the paper. And so uh, Elias would go, Walt, Walter, did you not deliver that? Here, take this paper to them. And, And Walt tried to explain his dad would never listen. And so Walt would go back to the house, would ring the bell, 
they'd open the door and there in the storm door it would just fall smack dab at their feet and they go oh I'm sorry we did, forgot to look there Walt said no matter how many times that happened they always forgot to look there and then of course at the end of uh, school he couldn't go and, and play with his uh, uh, friends because there was the evening edition uh, to deliver and then when he got home there was homework to do and then you had to go to bed because you're getting up at three in the morning, although sometimes Walt would sneak out a window with his uh, uh, friend Walt Pfeiffer and uh, go and uh, uh, perform in vaudeville theaters and and all of this as the two Walts doing that. So that just made him even more tired, you know. And he did this for six years. Can you believe that, Lou? Six years doing... Were you ever a newspaper boy? Jim, when I was a kid, we walked to school uphill in the (laughs) snow both ways and I had no shoes. I've ah. just become my, my parents. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure, again, that's a familiar story <laughs> to many of the listeners of, of this podcast. Well, but to, to, to get to the uh, Christmas story and the Christmas present we want to talk about, the, the one that literally transformed Walt's life. But I, I, I want to set up that, you know, how rough this was for Walt. And, and, and again, there wasn't that little you know, that ray of hope, that one little thing, you know, to, to, to keep you going. And so um, when he was 13, one of the things he saw that he really wanted were these uh, high leather boots that had these uh, leather straps across the laces and all this, and they were, they were quite the thing, and all the kids in school seem seem to have those. Uh, they were the Air Jordans of the early 1900s. <laughs> I, I never would have made that comparison, but I thought because I, I was going to ask, you know, uh, uh, do your kids have certain clothes that they have to wear or that other people are, are, are wearing at school, so they need to have that as well? My daughter is the young, you know, she's almost nine going on 35, mm-hmm. but whatever they're wearing on Disney Channel, we have to make sure we go out. And it, every day is a fashion show in my house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so whoever the uh, uh, new star is or new show is on Disney Channel and whatever they're wearing, all those cool clothes she's got, got to have. Well, and again, it, 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 it was the, the same back in the uh, early 1900s. You know, you, everybody had that, and that was the fashionable thing to have, and so... So Walt wanted these boots, but, but he knew that this was a, a luxury, so he knew that his dad, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't go for that. So Walt, being the salesman that he uh, was, even at, at the age of 13, uh, tried to make the case that, you know, if he got these boots, he'd be able to deliver the papers faster, that it, it would give him more traction on the steps going up, you know, to the apartments and... Uh, you know, this, this whole long... And his dad, of course, didn't buy any of that... Uh, uh, at all, and and so Walt just had to content himself with you know the the boots were just going to be out of his reach because even the little uh, uh, extra money that he, he he was picking up on the side was not going to be enough to to uh, afford um, those pair of boots. And his dad basically said, "You've got a pair of shoes. What's the matter with you?" And um, so Walt's uh, birthday came that year, and and he didn't get anything. And and of course, uh, you know that was not unexpected he figured okay you know it, it, it's been a, a, a tight year you know probably Christmas and um, when Christmas came there was a box underneath the tree that was reasonably large and uh, Walt was just you know what what could that be you know it, it's not in the shape of a, a, a shirt or a jacket or uh, but it's you know and he opened it up and it was the boots what had happened is his mom, uh, Flora, had put aside uh, a little money out of each week's um, grocery budget. And his brother Roy uh, had uh, gotten a, uh, a part-time job to contribute, and so they had pooled the money together to get Walt the boots. And so uh, uh, this was early, of course, uh, uh, Christmas morning and uh, so Walt put on the boots and he immediately um, went down to uh, the favorite drugstore hangout of the kids which was on 
uh, 31st and uh, Indiana, and how I know that is beyond me, because you'll, you'll agree, I have no notes in front of me right now. You know, my mind can, can remember that, but it can't remember what I ate for, for lunch last Thursday. But uh, anyway, so he, he was leaning up a, a, against uh, the shop, and, and again, you know, uh, probably very similar in design to the It's a Wonderful Shop, you know, uh, we, we see it's... it's you know, almost that turn of the early century, the early 20th century now, you have to say, because we've turned into a 21st century here. So, he, you know, he leaned against the outside and he stuck out his boots so that people could see the boots. Look at my boots. I got the same boots as you guys have got and they're brand new and, you know, but they're new. So they're even better. And take a look at this. And he did this until about five o'clock, six o'clock when the, you know, the sun was starting to, to go down. And of course, he knew he had to to go home for uh, uh, supper, but uh, it was a milder winter that year, and so some of the ice and snow had already started to, uh, you know, get a little slushy melt, especially on the streets, and on the streets when it melts, you know, there's usually there's these big block of ice, or or it's sticking out from the, the, the side, uh, uh, sidewalk or whatever, and so uh, Walt, being the clever, innovative person that he is, uh, decided that he was going to use his boots and he was going to kick one of these blocks of ice. And by golly, it went skidding down the street. So he tried to, uh, what can I do if I kick this one? Can I, you know, like uh, billiards, can I carom it off this side over this? Could I, you know, kick this so it goes right underneath a horse, whatever? He was having a wonderful time walking home, you know. Uh, best Christmas ever. And he comes up to this one big uh, block of ice and he pulls back his leg because he knows he's going to have to, you know, really give it a, a massive uh, 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 kick to dislodge it. And he kicks and can't pull his foot back. And he tries to put some pressure on it and there, there's pain and he, he, he can't pull. Inside that block of ice was a big rusty horseshoe nail and it had gone all the way through the boot into his foot and again it, it's it's uh, Christmas Day it's the end of Christmas Day there's there's nobody around and, and so Walt said um, he had to stay there for about uh, 20 minutes now whether it was 20 minutes or not it certainly seemed that way to Walt and uh, he said this wagon came up this horse drawn wagon and so the driver got off and took a look, he pulled out a tool from the back of the wagon and, and chopped around the ice, and then he picked up Walt, because Walt, of course, couldn't walk, and uh, carried Walt down to the end of the block, uh, up to the second floor where uh, a doctor was. And the doctor said, uh, kid, I got uh, nothing to give you, you better just hang on, That you know, no anesthetic, whatever. So the driver had to hold down the leg, and the doctor had to hold in, call in somebody else to hold down Walt's other leg, while the doctor pulled out this big, huge pair of black pliers to pull this out. Now, the worst part of this story, in order for the doctor to be able to do this, he had to cut away the boot. And to make it even worse, since Walt couldn't walk, they had to phone his father to come up and pick him up and pay the doctor's bill on Christmas. Christmas Day. And so Walt is being carried home and he's going through the same things that, you know, we would go through. Why was I so stupid? Why why did I kick that block of ice? Why wasn't I paying attention? This is it. He he had gotten the boots that he had always wanted. He knew he would never get another pair like this ever again. There just wouldn't be enough money in the entire world to uh, to do this. And to make matters even worse with his dad, he had to stay at home for two weeks with his foot elevated. So he had to sleep on the couch in, in the living room uh, and elevate his foot, you know, on the edge of the, the couch there. Uh, for, so he couldn't deliver newspapers for two weeks. And um, Walt, you know, in those days there was no TV. There was no Xbox. There was no radio. Uh, you know, um, and, uh, you know, uh, the Disney family didn't subscribe to magazines and all that. That's a luxury. So uh, Walt had this uh, big drawing pad that he'd been uh, given uh, by his aunt. So he, he did some drawing. He did some, uh, 
cartoons because he was, he was starting to think, you know, because he wasn't doing well in school. And, and, of course, why should he be? He was so tired. He was sometimes just falling asleep, you know, in the middle of school. But he was drawing these cartoons, and his mom was taking them with the homework and dropping them off at the uh, barber shop on the way and also, you know, giving them to his friends at school and then coming back and giving him uh, reviews. Yes, the, the men at the barber shop really thought this was, was a very funny gag. and da-da. Or your friends at school said, when are you going to draw a caricature of, you know, uh, Mrs. Hall or uh, all of those type of things. And so it was at that point uh, that Walt realized what he really wanted to do was to be a cartoonist, which was insane because there were no jobs for cartoonists. You know, there were no animated films at, at, at the time. There was a, uh, The only job you could get as a cartoonist would be an editorial cartoonist on a newspaper, and most newspapers already had their editorial cartoonists, and they had a tendency to stay there for decades. And so there would be no jobs for cartoonists. The Disney family didn't have any money. His dad wanted him to go into something, you know, more secure, like working in a jelly factory or something like that. But Walt decided he wanted to be a cartoonist. And, you know, as tough as his dad was, as tough as Elias was, um, you know, he did decide to let Walt go on Saturday mornings um, to take an uh, art class at a local uh, college. And um, then uh, uh, later, Walt uh, uh, took a couple of classes in uh, Chicago. You know, he never graduated high school. He, he barely did one year of high school before he went, you know, over overseas. And um, then when he came back, uh, he devoted his entire, uh, you know, focus, his entire passion was to become a cartoonist and to make money being a cartoonist, whether that was in advertising or or whatever, and it was the gift of those boots on Christmas that literally gave us the Walt Disney that we know today, that it, it transformed a 13-year-old boy into thinking, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw cartoons. I'm going to make people happy. This is what, you know, I, I, have, I have friends who are uh, 27, 28, 29. They still have no clue what they want to do with their life. But at 13, Walt knew what he wanted to do and pushed his way through. And so um, for the listeners out there, you know, next time you get a gift, whether it's at Christmas or not, you know, or you're giving a gift to somebody, you know, take a look at it carefully, you know, because it could be just that one gift it could literally transform somebody's life. It could transform your life. So the moral of the story is, it didn't really start with a mouse. It started with a <laughs> pair of boots. <laughs> That's exactly the, the 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 icon of the park. Shouldn't be Mickey Mouse. It should be a pair of, of leather boots. I yeah. I don't I don't know where this whole it started with a mouse came from. You know, uh, and and uh, you know, in fact, to be, to be uh, honest, that was uh, written by uh, Jack Spears, S-P-E-I-R-S, who was a, a writer on, on the Disneyland TV show. He's the one who came up with that phrase. Uh, obviously, Walt approved it, and Walt said it uh, on that. But, uh, you know, it, it, well, it, and, it, and it's always funny, too. You know, where do these phrases uh, come, come from? You know, I, I, I've seen it credited, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it, Walt Disney. It's not Walt Disney. That's Imagineer Tom Fitzgerald. He wrote that for Horizons, and so it w it was up there and it was said in there. And uh, and uh, Fitzgerald is a nice guy. He says, "I'm very flattered that people think Walt Disney said that." He said, "But it was me. I wrote it for Horizons. That's what it, what it was there for." But um, yeah, all started uh, all started with a, a pair of boots. But I think what 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 that story makes me think of is you know in a general sense. Sometimes you think the things that may be a bad situation or something that looks like it's a bad thing, look how it can potentially turn around and not only change your life, but the lives of others. Had Walt not gotten those boots and, and kicked that bit of snow, we probably wouldn't be sitting out here sort of celebrating the gift that we have as Disney fans of It's a Wonderful Shop and Christmas in July and the theme parks and the movies and everything else like that. So, um, 
No, he would have gone into working in a jelly factory, and we would have had uh, uh, Disney jelly on our toast each morning rather than uh, Smuckers or uh, uh, Knott's Berry jelly, you know, uh, uh, for that uh, uh, to happen. Yeah, it, it is. You know, uh, you, you have to think that, you know, maybe there really are no uh, coincidences or accidents in life, you know, that, that there is a, uh, a purpose and a design uh, uh, behind uh, everything. Jim, I want to uh, I want to thank you for coming out uh, in the heat to enjoy a, enjoy a little bit of Christmas in July outside. It's a wonderful shop and talk about some of these uh, stories of Walt and how his Christmas uh, changed not only his life, but our lives. And listen, speaking of giving gifts, if you're looking to give a gift, whether it's birthday, Christmas, anniversary, Groundhog Day, or Honey, I Forgot Our Anniversary, nothing says I love you like The Vault of Walt by Jim Corcus. <laughs> it's available from Amazon.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. You can get it on your Kindle. Um, a great book full of stories just like this and so many more. And we obviously have to have you come back. We have many more stories to share. Lots of great things coming up, not just here from the studios, but Epcot and the other theme parks and around the resorts as well. Well, thank you. that's so generous. That's a, that's a gift in itself. And yes, in the Vault of Walt, there's an entire chapter just devoted to Walt and Christmas. But it doesn't include the story that you heard here. You can only hear that story on Lou's podcast. How cool is that, you know? And, and in fact, I've, I've had uh, uh, so many friends tell me, you know, I love listening to Lou's podcast because it, it, ha- it, it has so much content and it, it has stuff that I can, that I can trust, that, that's accurate. But uh, yes, and, and Lou, as, as I shared with you, I've uh, uh, finished work on uh, my second book. That'll be coming out the end of this year, and so I'll be on uh, uh, hopefully later this year to, to publicize that. And I'd like to thank all of your um, listeners who have been so gracious as to pick up a copy of uh, uh, The Vault of Walt and who have come up to me at various events and said that they have enjoyed it. Whether they did or not, it was nice of them to come up and... and, and uh, Uh, tell me that Uh, so thank you again Lou and uh, I look forward to joining you again soon sounds good It's time once again for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I'll ask you about some Walt Disney World history, a little bit of trivia about the parks or resorts, maybe play or quote a line from an attraction, ask you to identify where in the world you may have heard it. And last week I told you it was all about story, because everything speaks. Everything in Walt Disney World has a story behind it, including Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And sure, it involves going to a rock concert, but if you pay close attention, you'll notice that when you enter that building, you're actually entering not just a soundstage, but the offices and recording studios of a fictional record label. Until last week's trivia question asked you to simply identify what the name of that record label was. And again, hundreds and hundreds of you got it correct. And it is, of course, G-Force Records. I gave you a hint. I said that it was in the queue on a manhole cover outside the gift shop. And it was also the name of a Disney movie, not the incredible Mr. Limpet. Of course, there was a movie called G-Force, and the answer was G-Force Records. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one for a prize package that included all six of my audio walking tours of Walt Disney World and a few little Disney collectibles that I took out of my collection as I was cleaning out some vintage items uh, from my garage past week. And this week's winner is Jonathan Garfield. So, Jonathan, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you. Congratulations and thanks again to everybody who entered. But as always, if you didn't win last week, here's another chance for you to play and win with this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week. Now, this week, I'm not going to ask you a single trivia question. I'm going to mix it up just a little bit. But instead, I'm going to ask you to identify three locations. I'm going to give you a location name. And all you need to do is tell me where in Walt Disney World they can be found. It can be an attraction, a resort, a show, restaurant, anywhere on property. Got it? So here you go. Here are your three clues, your three locations. All you need to do is identify them in order. Number one is Chickapin Hill. Number two, the Doge's Palace. 
And number three is Circa Zong. That's it. Just identify those locations. Email me at contest at wdwradio.com by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, July 29th. You're playing for a prize package that includes all six of my audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WDW Radio luggage tag and button, and a brand new Disney Parks Vinylmation. So there you go. Just tell me where Chickapin Hill, the Doge's Palace, and Zerka Zong is in Walt Disney World for your chance to win a prize package. Good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. A couple of quick announcements before we close the show out this week. Remember, if you want to order a copy of The Vault of Walt from Jim Corcus, I'll put a link in this week's show notes at wdwradio.com where you can order it from Amazon for an either a paperback or Kindle version. If you want to hear more from Jim Corcus, just go to the site, go to the search box and type in Corcus, K-O-R-K-I-S. You'll find all the other podcasts over the years where Jim has joined me on the show. Just a couple of quick reminders. First, from the WDWRadio.com blog, you should definitely come by the site because in addition to the podcast, we have lots of new content each and every day from guest contributors. There's everything from vacation planning advice to vintage Disney photos, polls, contests, lots more. For example, we have our new Random Acts of Disney Magic Challenge logo contest. Put your creative hat on. Help us design a logo for our Random Acts of Disney Magic Challenge. Those entries are due August 3rd. If you want to be part of the WDW Radio Cruise Fish Extender Exchange, that deadline is August 15th. And if you are part of the WDW Radio running team or want to be a part of it, or if you're just participating in any of the Run Disney events, visit wdwradio.com slash running. Also check out this week's blog post about training in the heat for a Run Disney event. Really great article from Happy Keller about training in the heat for some of the upcoming uh, Disney events. Speaking of special events, don't forget this weekend, Saturday, July 28th at 10.30 a.m. at the Contempo Cafe at Disney's Contemporary Resort is our WDW Radio Meet of the Month. Anyone and everyone is welcome. Very informal. Come by. Get a chance to let me meet you. Let you all meet one another as well. We'll be there for a couple of hours. It's inside. It's air-conditioned. And there is food close by. For more information, visit our events page at www.radio.com. In addition to that, don't forget about our e-ticket event to kick off Epcot's 30th anniversary, our very special private evening at the American Adventurers Club. We'll be renting out the American Adventure Pavilion, having a private dinner there, and a show unlike anything Disney has done before, just like the Adventurers Club, but with American Adventurers. Really going to be something special. Going to have some special guests that I'll be announcing as well. Disney artists, Imagineers, Jim Corcus will be there as well, too. Great opportunity to meet Jim as well. You can also learn more and purchase tickets at wdwradio.com, clicking on the events tab. You know, I also want to hear from you. I want you to be part of the show. If you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, call the voicemail 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. And in addition to the podcast and the videos and the blog, don't forget, too, about WDW Radio Live. Every Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, there we'll be talking about this week's Walt Disney World news in a live interactive discussion format. I'll be doing live video, oftentimes right from Walt Disney World. You can come into the chat room. You can text chat in there, discuss this week's news, ask and answer questions real time. Great way to be an interactive part of the show if you can't make it live that's okay i'll put the audio in itunes and the video on our youtube channel and at wdwradio.com quick thanks as always to my partners and sponsors mouse fan travel look whether you're going to disney world disneyland adventures by disney or disney cruise line and if you're coming out to disneyland we'll be out there in just a couple of weeks for destination d becky and her team give you the best possible prices awesome service all at no additional cost to you go check out their new website over at mousefantravel.com but when you're coming to walt disney world you want to stay right in the heart and you want to eat really really well well the swan and dolphin located in between epcot and the studios has not only the heavenly beds but 17 world-class restaurants and lounges 
great pool area and lots more. You can visit them over at swananddolphin.com. And if you want something bigger, you want to bring the whole tribe with you, allstarvacationhomes.com has more than 150 homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World, two-bedroom condos up to seven-bedroom homes, private pool, game rooms, multiple master bedrooms, and lots more. Again, that's allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you can't get down to Walt Disney World as often as you'd like, Celebrations Magazine, both in print and on your iPad, is a great way to get the magic delivered right to you. You can subscribe and order back issues over at celebrationspress.com. And I've gone the entire show without talking about food. You know it's one of my favorite things to do and enjoy in Walt Disney World. Well, believe it or not, there's a way to make it even better. That's with the Disney Food Blog Guide to Walt Disney World Dining. 300-plus pages of information, tips, real-world guidance so you can have the best trip possible, satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back, no questions asked, but they're so confident you're going to like it, WW Radio listeners get a 20% discount on their purchase by using the code, of course, WW Radio. It's an ebook. You can take it with you to the parks. It's easily searchable. It's a lot of fun as well, too. Don't read it when you're hungry because I promise you'll be starving for Walt Disney World food. But check it out over at dfbguide.com. All those links are going to be in the show notes this week. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook or Pinterest or Google Plus or your favorite discussion forums. Most importantly, please come by. Rate and review the show in iTunes. Very much appreciated. Very, very helpful. And finally, remember that today is the perfect day to start making changes and improving your life and making great things happen. Believe in yourself and be yourself and always, always keep moving forward. Thank you again so very much for letting me share my passion with you in so many ways each and every week. So until next time, I hope you guys have a great week this week. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Paul Man Jerry from Stanford, Connecticut. I've been listening to the show for about a year now, so I've had the privilege of having two or three episodes every week to keep me fresh and keep me mentally in Walt Disney World, so thank you for that. Uh, beyond that, I just wanted to thank you for what you did on all these, all these major holidays, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Fourth of July, for drawing our attention to the true value and the true meaning and the true significance of these days. Um, it's often overlooked in our fast society, and you take the time in this phenomenal podcast of yours to draw our attention to show us what it's all really about and why we have these days. Uh, I lost a friend in Afghanistan two years ago, about two years ago, and um, you know, I, I always considered myself a patriot before then, but after that, you know, I, it's just been such a major focus of my life to make sure people appreciate these days. And in listening to your most recent podcast, the uh, 4th of July, Top 10 Ways to Celebrate America in the Walt Disney Parks, I, I was just so grateful that you did that. I was so impressed by it, and I want to take the time to go and make sure I do all of those things. I'll admit I was that guy who, when you did the Top 10 Wow Moments episode, was screaming at my iPod, saying, how could you forget the flag retreat? Because... To me, I, I just think it's so amazing. It's just such an amazing moment. It is the wow moment. It's my top one through ten wow moments in Disney World. But uh, <laughs> I think just like Walt, you had a bigger plan and and you were thinking beyond that and you saved it for an even better episode, one that was completely focused on a great nation. And I'm so glad that it was put in there. I will admit that having only learned about it after my most recent visit, visit to the world, I haven't seen it yet, but um, uh, I've got a, my friends and I have a charity that we set up for a friend who we lost in Afghanistan. I managed the Facebook page for that site, and many times I put the flag retreat or the picture of the veteran of the day, taking it off of the Disney blog and put it on there because I just think it's so amazing. You know, I, I think it's so phenomenal that, uh, as it says, you went to the post yesterday and tomorrow, fantasy and adventure. And the company does so much, and the Imagineers do so much to put you in those worlds and to transport you in time or in reality. And regardless of all that, at 5 o'clock every day, they take the time to show you why this is all possible. And take the time to reflect and show us how lucky we are 
that we've gotten out of the movie, about protecting this nation to allow us to enjoy things like Walt Disney World and these fantastic resorts and the, everything that the company does for us. So thank you so much, Lou. Uh, I just am so proud to be a fan of yours. Uh, I just admire you for everything you do. I think just in the sense of Wolf himself, you go so far to entertain us and at the same time educate us to look at things like Liberty Square and Main Street USA and everything else that the park has to offer. And you just, you know, keep in the back of our mind and just kind of in our ear letting us know how important these things are and show us the significance of all these events and all these places. I'm just so grateful. And thank you so much for what you do. God bless America. And let's just keep moving forward. Thank you, Luke. Hello, Lou. This is Justin. You may have known me, as always, from In the Box as J-Man410, which, by the way, my friends literally called my nick Friends from school call me J-Man because that's how they gave me my nickname. First of which, I really like to wish your son, wish Nicholas a happy and healthy birthday. As a, and of course, to to Nicholas, as always, keep moving forward and of course, believe in the promise of tomorrow. So here's to the future of Nicholas and have a very, very good birthday and of course, keep moving forward. Hope to see you again, Lou, and to see you very soon. Bye now.